A very good afternoon to you, our cherished listeners. It's always indeed super exciting to come your way every Wednesday with your favorite business development program on Radio Masterclass. Masterclass is powered by Joy Business and brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, they say good energy, Goyle. Yenara Yedia. Masterclass is also brought to us by First Code Management Services. They say industry, get it right. In the last couple of weeks, we've been discussing remote working with Kobe Spike and Chroma. But today we start a completely different conversation here on Masterclass. And like we always say, everything we talk about here on Masterclass is essentially to share thoughts and give ideas for you, our business owners, you, our entrepreneurs, so that we can build something first for our nation, Ghana, and then subsequently also for ourselves as individuals and become our own employers so that we can create employment, create value, and make our nation great and strong. Welcome to today's edition of Masterclass. My name, as always, is Yabanafo, and I will be your host for the show today. Um, just before we start, I should just remind us that today's edition of Masterclass is brought to us by Goyle and also brought to us by First Code Management Services. And so in these times of increasing uncertainties, firms are compelled to seek tailor-made solutions to reduce risk and to grow their businesses. For startup investors, SMEs and business owners, First Code Management Services provide advisory, facilitation support for company formation, business setup, corporate secretarial and business compliance, accounting, research and market entry, training and capacity building. First Code Management Services are a first point of call for all management support services. So talk to us today or call us on 0302-297-2263 or 0302-297-2264. Locate us at 60A Westland Boulevard, West Legon, or visit us at www.firstcodelimited.com. First Code Management Services, they say industry, get it right. A few shout-outs to some of our ardent listeners also. Um, Sam Kwame Wafo, you are head human resources, Cal Bank. People and culture, I beg your pardon, Cal Bank. It was your birthday on the, on the, on the 2nd of May. Happy birthday to you. And Kobe um, Banafo, it was also your birthday on the 3rd of May. Happy birthday to you. Thank you for listening to Masterclass and supporting us through and through. Today, we're privileged as we start a new conversation. We'll be looking at, like I said, topics that bring help and bring support and information to our business owners. So today, we're looking at the area of corporate governance and business compliance. Corporate governance and business compliance. You're a business owner. You went to the GRE. You went to the RGDs to go and register your company. And you heard the term corporate governance. What's all that about? There's a new act, a new companies act, which has been revised. What's all that about? How does that affect me as a business owner? Oftentimes, you know, when we go to tax offices, when we get a lot of education to say if you're a company, you need to have a board, you need to have, uh, you know, a certain management structure, you need to have shareholding. What does all that mean? How does it even affect our businesses? How does it affect us? How does it affect our bottom lines, our investments that our people have made, shareholders have made, and even our own revenues? If I'm the owner of my own business, must I necessarily be on the board? What is this whole thing about board membership? We're going to be finding out a bit of that in our conversation today. And yes, we're privileged to be joined on the show for the next couple of weeks by one of our sponsors here on the show. That's why there's a bit of a bounce in my voice today. <laughs> we're joined here on the show by our head of legal from First Code Management Services. Uh, good afternoon to all staff of First Code Management Services. I know you're listening this afternoon. We're also excited that you're here on the show. Um, and the head of legal is here on the show today in the person of Mr. Richard Edu Dacon. He's also the managing partner of Richmond Law Firm here in Accra. So when it comes to legalese, 
this man understands legalese very well. If I when I spoke to him earlier this morning in a few minutes preparing for the show, he is actually coming from court. <laughs> so he knows the staff, head of legal first court management service and also the managing partner of Richmond Law Firm here in Accra. Richard, you're welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure being here. I'm excited to have you here because, you know, oftentimes people need advisory information on what to do and what not to do. And they wait until they get into trouble and then they say, find me a lawyer. And oftentimes when you hear people talk about, call my lawyer, they're, they're heading to court or they're, or they're going into a fight, <laughs> you know. But hope, so on Masterclass, we're going to share information sure. that's going to put people in a position where they have power because we say information is power. Exactly. Now, when you know what to do, you do it properly, you do it right, mm. so the law doesn't catch up with you. Yeah. You're welcome to the show. Thank Today's conversation so and going into next week, we're going to be talking about business, um, corporate governance and business compliance. But I'd like you to introduce the conversation and then sort of share with us a synopsis of what we're going to be discussing today. And at some point, we get interactive. Talk to us, Richard. Great. Thank you so much. And then thank you to all our listeners who are on the show listening to us this afternoon. When we talk about corporate compliance, corporate governance and compliance, you know, you may have a fantastic idea to set up a business. So let's say that idea has birthed a business. And then you've gone to the Registrar General's Department, but the law requires you to register then you have your company set up so let's say you have richard company limited or first code limited for 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 want of mm-hmm. a better company mm-hmm. then you would want to manage the company such that you are playing by the rules and at the same time making sure that you are maximizing profit and then you have a perpetual growth for your business that is where corporate governance comes in. And today, I would want our emphasis to be centered on corporate governance mm. so that subsequently we may look at the business compliance bit of it because if your business is not well-structured mm. and you, are not, um, you don't have all the systems working for you, it means chances are that you may not comply with the rules. Mm. So we will look at the structure of the business and then subsequently we can look at um, what we call the business compliance. That's fine. So... We, we've got definitions for, for corporate governance, but I would want to take a definition that my former boss, David mm-hmm. Ofosudote, mm-hmm. gave some, some years back when we had all these issues with banks falling and mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. and then takeovers and everything. Then he gave a certain definition, which is very striking. Mm-hmm. He says that corporate governance is the perpetual growth of a business. Mm-hmm. So managing the perpetual growth of your business and doing the right things and playing by the rules. Mm-hmm. World Bank defined corporate governance as the mm-hmm. concerns, the systems by which companies are directed and controlled. And it's about having companies and owners and regulators become more accountable, efficient, transparent, which in turn builds trust and confidence. So you see that we have words like um, becoming accountable, mm-hmm. I mean, going by the regulators, you are the owner, and then going by what the regulators say, and then efficiency, transparency, which will build trust and confidence. Mm-hmm. So you cannot operate a business without going by the rules and then making sure that your structures are in adherence to what the rules says. So if we talk about corporate governance in definition, I mean, in summary, that's all that it means, that managing your company perpetually in the right way and doing the right things within the law. Then you ask yourself, what does the law say about corporate governance? There is a law 
that governs businesses in Ghana. That is the New Companies Act 2019. Mm-hmm. This law spells out the things you need to do in setting up from incorporation to the time that you may even decide to wind your business. So let's say you've gone into liquidation or you have crisis and you want to even make sure that your company is no longer existing, the rules that you have to play by. But all of that will go into the, the issues of um, what do we call it, business compliance. Mm. But when it comes to corporate governance, we are looking at a certain issue that we've had in the past and even now that is as a result of our culture as a people. That makes us have this ownership mentality. So somebody sets up a business and he believes that the business belongs to him <laughs> and that nobody can challenge him and that he's what we call the alter ego of the business. I mean, he controls everything. Judge, so the, the, the business is the alter ego of yeah. the yeah. Such that anything that he wants to do, nothing matters but what he says. An exciting example that was given some time back was that this man died and then his nephew came. They were at a church and the man was a priest. Mm. So the nephew goes to the church when they were having the Thanksgiving service and then he wears a cassock with all the robes that um, the priest will wear to suggest that he's taking over. He inherited <laughs> the man. So he's a customary successor. Mm-hmm. So by extension, he's taking over everything that belongs to the man, including his priesthood. But you may be a priest. If you die, the business that you are leaving, the, the, the profession you are leaving mm-hmm. behind as a priest does not belong to somebody <laughs> you who is a customary You cannot successor. will it. <laughs> But rather, you set up the business as a separate legal entity. Mm -hmm. So the same way you cannot take over the priesthood position by virtue of the fact that you you belong to the family of the deceased person. Mm -hmm. So the same way that you cannot take over a business just by mere fact that the owner, so to speak, or the owners Mm -hmm. are no longer there. But you can only achieve this when you have the structures working in the company. If there are no structures, if there are no boards, if there are no shareholders, if there is nothing, then anybody can do anything. Or even if they exist and they are not playing by the rules, then anybody can just get up one day and take over. But I gave this example because that is our culture. Mm. And we are imbibed in that kind of culture and attitude Mm -hmm. such that anything that we do, we think that it belongs to us. So the challenge most businesses have had and most businesses today is still com- confronted with is the fact that they are unable to separate their personalities from their businesses. So, I mean, essentially, what we're saying, if you're listening to us and you just tuned in, this is Masterclass here on your Superstation Joy 99.7. We're discussing um, corporate governance, corporate governance. Now, here, what we're saying is that you have to separate your personal dealings or your personal idiosyncrasies, if you like, from your business. And that's why the business has a structure. That's why the business has a structure. And essentially, that structure will dictate what happens in most scenarios. So somebody will say they are frequently asked questions. If I'm not here, what happens? When this person is not here, what happens? And even Ghana as a country does have a structure, which is why when the president is not here, we know who's next. When the vice president is not here, we know who's next. So if you're listening to us this afternoon, it is absolutely important for you to put a structure to your business. It's interesting. Please continue, Richard. So for for our discussion this afternoon, I would want us to group 
corporate governance into four or situate them into four different categories. So we have state-owned enterprises mm-hmm. that are established under the law whose governance or misgovernance can affect the entire population. Mm-hmm. So you have Ghana Water Company. It is a company limited by um, shares, mm-hmm. but the state holds those shares. So the company belongs to the government or the state. We have ECG. Just imagine ECG messing up a bit or Ghana Water Company messing up a bit with their corporate governance issues. What it means is that the entire nation is going to suffer from not getting electricity mm-hmm. or not getting water, let's say even bust, and, and, and they have issues with their corporate governance or they have misgovernance issues or they are not managing their systems very well. What it means is that it's going to affect the entire nation. And then we have statutory corporations which are set up by an act of parliament to provide regulatory functions. Such institutions include, um, let's say, NCA or um, any of the state institutions that are regulated. Mm-hmm. So Bank of Ghana, like this, is a regulator. And then we have the Securities and Exchange Commission. They regulate activities of uh, businesses within their, their scope. And then we have companies which are owned by private persons. Mm-hmm. And that's where our focus is going to be, these two categories. Uh, companies that are owned by private persons whose governance or misgovernance will affect a very large number of people. So, like private banks, like the ones we had about two years, three years mm-hmm, ago, mm-hmm. like private universities, like private radio stations like your own. If you have issues, you have listenership, you have people following you, the moment there are misgovernance issues and, and the company would have to suffer or the activities will have to affect people, it means that we are going to have a lot more people going to suffer mm-hmm. from your misgovernance. And then we have companies owned by private individuals whose misgovernance or governance do not affect a larger number of people, but affect people and other institutions. So if you do not govern your company well as a private individual, and today we are looking at private companies that have set up, they have their company, they have their shares, they have their board and everything, but they have misgovernance issues. Mm. Because they are not complying with the rules and they are not doing things properly, their actions affect their employees. Their actions affect their profitability. Their actions even affect other institutions like banks. Assuming we have about 200 companies, which we don't manage very well as a result of misgovernance issues, Mm -hmm. and then they are indebted to banks. It means that they are going to have um, uh, banks going down because they did not pay their debts. So that's the area I want us to look at. And then with regards to um, these companies that are private in nature, whose actions and their misgovernance or governance affect their employees, affect their profitability, and mm-hmm. affect other institutions, mm-hmm. we're going to look at them in the scope of the New Companies Act right. and what the Act says about the structure of such companies and the things they are supposed to do to make sure that they are running properly and that their governance issues are in compliance with their rules mm-hmm. and that we can say that this is an ideal corporate governance institution. I mean, a company that is complying with these rules and they are doing very well for which other institutions may have to emulate. Right. So when you set up your business, so you're a business person, you've started and then you, you go to Registrar General, like I gave the scenario initially, and you set up the business, you are required by law to have board members does this apply to every company not 
every company in the right sense of the word. Mm. But our limitation now is companies which are private and limited by shares. Right. So private companies. Right. So we can have SMEs. They are not sole proprietors. They are rather companies limited by shares. They have. Uh, they are supposed to have a board. So it's not every company that is supposed to have. If you're a sole proprietor, the law does not mandate you to have board of directors. So in simplifying it, we can just simply say for a company that has a registered name, um, Kofi Mensah and Sons Limited. Limited. That's what then this is. About. Then this applies to this you. applies to you. Right. And it applies to other um, state institutions, right. as I mentioned, those right. that are set up by Act 461 and yeah. all of those institutions. But our limitation, like I said, is to these companies because yeah. we are driving the, the, the system, we are driving the economy. If such companies are not doing well, it affects even state institutions. It's a chain reaction. Yes. So that's um, um, what I mean by having right. a board. Right. So you are supposed to have a board by an ordinary resolution of the members. So who are the members? Members are the people who are the shareholders, the people mm-hmm. that came together and put their resources together to say that we are forming this company limited. And when they form that company, they are supposed to appoint people mm-hmm. who are independent of them to regulate and manage the affairs of the business. But because, like I said, because of our culture, we always tend to believe that it is my own, then at all costs, everything that is being done should be controlled by me. <coughs> but the mm-hmm. law requires you that you have a board in place with a secretary. And now there's even a qualification for who can be a secretary. You should, <laughs> there is. You should, yes, you should, you should either have a qualification in law or be a member of the Chartered Institute of Secretaries or you should be a chartered accountant or an administrator of a sort. So you need these qualifications. You need to meet these qualifications. And our board system now is not a two-tier structure. It's the normal single-tier board structure where you have executive and non-executive directors collectively managing the business or the company. And per the Companies Act, you should have at least two directors. And one should be an ordinary resident in Ghana. So you cannot run the business, you cannot set up the business and do not have a board. And then somebody will be, all the directors will be sitting abroad and say that we are directors of company A and we are running the company. No, it does not apply. You cannot do that under the new law. And then if you are being appointed as a director, you should be a person that is fit and proper to be able to, so let's say we are having a company that deals in um, um, media or that, that is into production of, let's say, diamonds or that is into the production of any other thing in a certain sector. If the person that you are pointing to the board does not have any knowledge of or does not have any experience in that area, what you are doing is that you are putting round pegs in square holes. Mm. So at least you should have people who are fit and proper who qualify to sit on your board. Because you expect your business to grow. So you don't just pick anybody because he's your friend. You know, we have this sense of entitlement that in Ghana here, people sitting on boards feels that, Charlie, I've arrived, I've gotten to a certain level in life, and that I have to sit on a board and take some fat allowance. (laughs) You don't do that. If you really want to have a proper structure for your business in compliance with corporate governance, um, I mean, best practices, then you should make sure that the people that you are appointing to their board are people who are fit, who have the capacity to take very profitable decisions and also play by the rules for your company to grow. And then it touches, the new law now also touches on 
um, disclosures and obligations imposed on directors and shareholders, which includes beneficial owners, as well as the uh, shares and then politically exposed people. So the, the, the owners of these companies, the law has an obligation on you now to make sure that everybody who is a beneficiary or who someone is holding shares in trust for or who is doing something politically that is exposed should be known. Mm. You cannot hide behind people now and then set up a company and then you are controlling it remotely and then expecting that you do things your way and then have it easy. No. Because these days you need to comply with these laws and it is mandatory, mm. you have to make sure that that obligation, obligation that is placed on you is adhered to such that tomorrow you will not be in trouble. Because as a board member or an executive member of a company, if you take decisions, if you take actions that affect the company negatively or do things that are not I mean, mandated by law, you would be held accountable. Unless otherwise you are able to prove or whoever dealt with you is able to prove that you did those things and that you didn't know that you were a member of that company and didn't seek the consent of the company because you need to seek the consent of the company that has been established as a director mm. in taking decisions for the company. So if you don't seek the consent of that company and you take actions in relation to the company in any way, in any form or shape, then you will be held liable. This is what they would refer to as a vicarious liability. Exactly. You'll be held liable. What happens in a situation where... Okay, I'll, I'll hold this question. Please continue. You, 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 no, because you, I was going to ask that. What happens in a situation where in, in a board meeting, yes. there's a decision to be made? And for, for obvious reasons, board numbers are usually odd numbers. Yes. So that, you know, the chairman will break the tie if there's a tie. Exactly. What happens when, you know, a decision is made and, and you probably didn't support the decision? I mean, it's immature to come out and say, I didn't support that decision. Once it's made, it's binding on every member of the board. But if you have vicarious liability... How do you juxtapose that personal liability to the corporate liability of the entire board team? You know, the company is a separate legal entity. Mm. So when we are going to have issues with a company mm-hmm. or the company breaks a certain law, and I don't think any company will, will, will deliberately sit. It happens, though, but I don't think any company will deliberately sit and then take decisions that are illegal. This point that I raised is in respect of an individual board member because I was looking at the qualifications right, right. or an executive member of the company taking steps or doing things in the name of the company without the consent of the company you are going to be held liable that is different from when a board takes a decision mm-hmm. and then everybody that has voting right votes and then we take a decision that this is the decision of the board mm. and the company is going to go by this decision then the entire company is liable for the decision that collectively yes but if you take an individual decision or even if the board takes a decision that is against the law and they didn't seek the consent of the company mm. then that individual or the board that took that decision is going to be held criminally liable or if it's civil in nature you are going to have civil liabilities against mm. you so you should weigh yourself and not just jump or not just appoint anybody to sit on your board mm. as, 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 as a business owner. So if there is anything to go by, if there is anything to take home, one of the things that you should do as a business owner, as a member of a company, you are a shareholder or you, you have an interest in a business, is that when you are appointing board members, you are appointing people who take the right decisions mm. so that 
they will not just mess your business up for you and then you hold them criminal liable or civil liability against them and then you get damages or whatever but your business may have collapsed mm. so that is one aspect that we have to look at when it comes to corporate governance and then the the law also provides for the appointment of an executive or a managing director that will be managing the day-to-day activities of the business so because of again our sense of entitlement and our ownership mentality born out of our culture when we set up the business we want to be the ceo you want to be the managing director you want to be the finance director you want to be everything so you are preparing your own accounts you are doing this you are doing that but you are supposed to appoint somebody preferably from the board who will be the executive um, head of the company Mm -hmm. managing the day-to-day administration and affairs of the business and report to the board so when decisions are taken at the board level there should be an implementing officer who sits at the premises or wherever he operates from and then manage the day-to-day activities of the business. So if you're a business owner and you have set up and you want to be part of this, that is fine. But you should also know that you are under a certain obligation under the law to make sure you don't conflict your, your position as, as, a, as the owner of the business does not conflict with the decisions that are being taken by the board and that you do not control unnecessarily things that are being done. You know, as you speak about this fact, something just comes very strongly to me that sometimes we have boards, and I remember in, back in school that you know, they taught us about the different types of boards, yes. operating boards, rolling boards, and yes. all of that. Now, there are some, in some instances, you have, where you have the crossover between ownership and board membership. And so you have a few members of the family or the owners of the business also being members of the board. Yes. You do have a bit of overbearance, on the decisions of the company to the point where management decisions are made. Just expatiate a bit for me. What is the extent of the reach of the board regarding the day-to-day management of any company over whom they are board? And where does the CEO's responsibility end and where does it start? Just a bit of clarity. Yes. Because there are business owners who are listening to us who, it's their company, they set it up, but they also want to be on the board and they're listening to us and what they're hearing for the first time that, you know, um, the law provides that there should be separation of powers, if you like, in this respect. So just give a little bit of perspective. The CEO, the yes. board, members of the family being also on the board, being overbearing, their reach, whose reach ends where? Ideally you are supposed to appoint people that you think have the capacity to help in the management of the business, Mm. the day-to-day administration. So that is where the executive directors comes in. Mm -hmm. But we are talking about other non-executive directors who may be family members and you Mm. have put them on the board. Mm. And let's say the, the, the CEOs also sitting on the board. It is fine for all these people to be there. But you have to let them understand that they have a role to play in the management of the company such that their decisions will not affect the company negatively. So when you are appointing, that's where the business owner, you have to be very careful. And that's what we also advocate for, that when you are appointing members to sit on the board, do not look at just people who you think should be loyal in the right sense of the word to be at your back and call and that everything that you say, they will say, yes, Amasa. No. You should look at people who will be able to tell you truth in a face. Independence of thought. Yes. They have independence of thought and will be able to tell you that this is unacceptable and that we cannot do this. And that's what is going to help you. 
if you think that your family members are people who can also assist and they have the capacity and the qualification to sit on the board, there's no challenge with that. But the difficulty is the fact that, like I said, the sense of entitlement will make them feel that, okay, this is my uncle's company and I'm sitting on the board. So whatever decision that the company takes or whatever decision that I take, they should respect it because he's my uncle. And that is what kills our indigenous businesses. Mm. And that's where we are saying that, look, make sure that the people sitting there, if you have other things to support your family members, you can support them with that. But as a business person, get people in a certain area that are having the expertise and the qualification to sit on the board and help you build the business. Because they have obligations under the law. And then they have um, allowances and other emoluments that they receive by sitting on the board. So they would be compensated anyway. So why don't you get the right people than to put in family members? You can have them, but there should be a limit to, to, to the number of people. You know, as you speak, um, there's a phrase that comes to my mind, unity and diversity. Yes. But what we're saying is that there should be independence of thought. Yes. So while you're there for a common purpose, which is to help build the company up, that's where the unity comes in. Yes. But we expect that in doing that, you yeah. exercise some kind of diversity also. Exactly. Let's just, you know, um, we'll just be going for a break very shortly. But before we do that, I just want to ask very quickly. What, you, somebody's listening to us, they have a yeah. business. Yeah. Let's say they are not even members of the family which owns a business. Yeah. But they are there as a board member. Mm. Board members are supposed to bring their influence, their connections, their network, their expertise to bear on leading the company properly from the board level. Yes. There's usually a fine line for conflict of interest where, you know, you're trying to help, but you know the company who's doing the business mm. or the vendor who's going to provide that service mm. for the company mm. and you've done some business with them before and, you know, you may not be on their board, but you, you know them a bit more than usual. Um, we've always heard people say disclosure is a panacea for conflict of interest. Yes. Let's talk about that. Conflict of interest, board membership. How do I help without crossing the line? Thank you so much. Uh, I was going to touch on, on conflict <laughs> of interest. So you see me smiling when you... So you, if you are supposed to sit on a board and let's say a vendor that provides IT services, mm. you have interest in that company and you are recommending that company or the, 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 your company board or wherever you are, you are finding yourself is taking decisions on who to appoint as the IT service provider for the company. Mm -hmm you may have to immediately disclose to the board that company ABC, which is going to provide these services, is a company that I have interest in. So I would want to bring this to the attention of the board. You may even recuse yourself when decisions are being taken in respect of appointing that company to provide those services so that it will not be as if, because of your interest in that company, they were favored in getting those appointments. So conflict of interest is one thing that also affects. So you see um, share pricing and all of that, share transfer price, every, things that happens in businesses that owners of business and other beneficial owners would also push their businesses and other side companies or side businesses to be providing services to the companies that they have either established or they sit on boards on. And then they will be benefiting from these contracts that are done within its intra. So within the company, they have other interests in other companies. And those other companies are receiving benefits or receiving contracts and gaining so much because they pushed or they influenced in a way. You need to disclose. It is, it is a requirement of the law that any action that you take 
that you think will be in conflict with what the company is doing or your personal interest will override that of the company. You are supposed to disclose it to the board such that they would be able to take a decision independent of your your presence. You can decide to recuse yeah. yourself from such meetings and then they will go and do their bidding. If they win, fine. If they don't win, it's not because you are sitting as, as a part of it. You know, it's absolutely important, the point you just made. And if you're just listening to us, I think that if you're a business owner, do take this seriously because we did create the context at the beginning and we said that what we're talking about refers to limited liability companies. Yeah. So if you do have a limited liability company, this applies to you. The law may not be looking at you now because there's a lot that people are doing. But when they come after you, you'll be the world will become a very small place suddenly. Yes. If there are things that you are doing, you know, taking decisions on your board, um, doing things that are not in line with the Companies Act, and we're talking about the Companies Act in subsequent conversations, it's absolutely important to find help. And I always say that it's better to ask for help than to make the mistake. Where can you find the help? Talk to your lawyer. You have a lawyer for your company. He's up to date on all of these conversations we're having, and he's able to help you. If you've just tuned in, this is Masterclass. We're going to be getting interactive. We're taking a few messages from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll open the phone line so that you can also be a part of this conversation. Just remind us that Masterclass today is brought to us by Goyle. Goyle, they say good energy. Goyle, Yanaraedia, and also brought to us by First Code Management Services. They say industry. It gets it right. The phone lines will be open right after this. on a business development program joy business masterclass is in session and you can interact with us on facebook via the joy 99.7 fm or joy business pages if you tweet the handle is at joy 997 fm or at joy business gh don't forget to hashtag jb masterclass you can also call us on 0302-216541 or send your questions and contributions through to the whatsapp number 0551 and our facilitators will address your concerns. Attention everyone, class is in progress. Welcome back. This is Masterclass. So do you have any motor vehicle of any kind? Because if you do, God has got some great information for you. Going cashless has never been this convenient and exciting. Girls' e-payment systems are now compatible with the GH Link and the National Payment Platform. Now you can use your GH Link card on Girls' POS machines to purchase fuel. GH Link cards offer additional payment options for fuel purchases at Girls stations in addition to the Go card. Every fuel purchased is recorded automatically on your monthly bank statements, helping cardholders track and manage their expenses. So go ahead and use your GH Link card to buy fuel and all lubricants from any of Girls over 400 stations across Ghana. Go cashless and protect yourself and stick to all the COVID-19 protocols in these times. Goyle, they say good energy. Goyle, Yenara, Yedia. First Code Management Services. In these times of increasing uncertainties, firms are compelled to seek tailor-made solutions to reduce risk and to grow their businesses. For startup investors, SMEs, and business owners, First Code Management Services provides advisory and facilitation support for company formation and business setup, for corporate secretarial and business compliance, for accounting, for research and market entry, and for training and capacity building. First Code Management Services are your first point of call for all your management support services. Talk to us today or call us on 0302-297-2263 or 0302-297-2264. Locate us at 68 Westlands Boulevard, West Lagon, or visit us at www.firstcodelimited.com. 
Fair School Management Services, they say industry. Get it right. Phone lines are now open. Numbers to call 0302216541. That's 0302216541. You can also pick up your phone and send us a comment on 055 We're discussing corporate governance here on Masterclass this afternoon. What is the structure of your company? Is it a sole proprietorship? Is it a limited liability? What is the structure of your management? Do you have a board? Are you a member of the board? You know, there was something interesting you talked about, Richard, when, when you said, and I thought that was going to be my first question. You, you spoke about the secretary now having to have certain qualifications. And this is under the new, um, the, new Act, the 2019 yes. Companies Act. Yes. Act 992 stipulates that if right. you are a secretary or you have been appointed as a secretary mm-hmm. to a company, you should either have a law qualification <laughs> or you should be a chartered accountant. A law qualification or a yes. chartered accountant. Or you should be a member of the Institute of Administrators, mm-hmm. Secretaries and Administrators. Mm-hmm. Or you should have trained under mm. somebody that has these qualifications for a certain number of years before you can be appointed as a secretary to a company. So what happens to companies whose secretaries were formed prior to that? Does the act take retrospective effect? Um, so you are given time since there's right. a new act. There's a grace period. Yeah, there's a grace period for you to be able to change. And I mean, it's not so difficult changing your, your company secretary. So you are given yeah, time. Yeah, but the thing is this, right? You know, you spoke about family ties. Yes. And the fact that, you know, I remember when we had this conversation sometime last year um, when um, Roxon was here on the show. Good afternoon, Roxon, um, the Wigger. He spoke to us about some of these things that yes. you're sharing with us today. Yes. And... This conversation came up about the involvement of family. Yes. Now, it's easy to change your company secretary, but not when your company secretary is your wife and you are 50% shareholders of the business. <laughs> I think I have a caller on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from? Yo, your favorite, Alawi Dauda speaking. Oh, good afternoon, Alawi. How are you, my brother? That's very well. Uh, I would have said you're not a good friend, but that's quite okay. We're all busy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And you are discussing such a topical issue right. that is topical and applied to businesses across the globe, particularly Indeed. in this uh, COVID-19. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry we lost Alawi there. Um, we we want to hear your comment by all means, Alawi. So please do give us a call again. Numbers to call 0302216541 or 0551111997. Do we have him back on the line? We have another caller. Okay, good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from? Yes, my name is Kweku. I'm in Accra. Um, the corporate governance thing that we are discussing, um, does it include companies that are very young, as in maybe having three or four team members? Or we are looking at the larger corporate establishment. I mean, even though they are three or four, but it's a limited liability. It's a baby that they are trying to nurture. So are all these um, modes of operation, management, and uh, board, blah, 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 important at this stage? Right. Thank you so much for your question. Please keep listening. I was going to answer it, but I have a lawyer in the in the studio, and I hear we are not allowed to refer to them as learned colleagues. So <laughs> my guest will take the question. So it's a great question. Um, this is the reason why we are here that companies that have just started, you are just two years, you are three years, it's just five people that set up the business. You start small like that. 
make sure your body is in place. You know, you are supposed to file your annual returns. You are supposed to um, do your social security. You are supposed to make sure um, auditors audit you and have your GRA um, compliance issues all dealt with. If you start now, chances are that you'll be so used to doing the right things from the beginning. And so when the company grows and, and you have about 20 board members, then you are not going to have issues with, with the growth of the company. But if you don't start today and you think that the company is too young mm -hmm. and that you don't need to set up a board, it can just be three people. So it are, applies to him. It applies now. to him, yes. Start now. well, but start right. Because the law asks you to do that. It's, it's the law and the is law doesn't require you. No, exceptions. It once you are a company limited by shares, <laughs> mm -hmm. you are supposed to. Once you have limited attached to your name, my brother, you're supposed to do that. Okay, I have another caller on the line. Good afternoon. You're welcome to Masterclass. Your name, where you're calling from, sir? Good afternoon, sir. Yes, good afternoon. My name is Ernest from Taifa. Right, talk to me, Ernest. In fact, uh, lawyer Richard has educated me a lot. His fantastic, his submissions are fantastic. Most of the things that he has said, I didn't know. Mm. And as he has educated me, I want to find out from him if he he runs consultancy service. So that I want to engage him. He is one of the fantastic uh, 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 partners listening to. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ernest. The answer is yes. He runs consultancy services, and he's the head of legal for First Code Management Services. You can take the number down. You can call them on 0302-297-2263, or you can also call him on 0302-297-2264, and they'll be happy to help you. Please call them because they make it possible for us to bring you Masterclass every day, and it's because of them that you have heard this information today, so please call them. Um, I've got some more comments coming in. Do I have a caller on the line? I don't have a caller. Okay, so yes, we're elaborating on the point that on the point that he made. I've got a few more minutes. Um, you can just slip in a last call if you're listening to us, 0302216541, or you can send us your comment on 0551111997. Are there sanctions for conflict of interest? I mean, I have a few questions, so and I have a few minutes. I just want to be able to run through them and see if before we come back next week. But are there sanctions for conflict of interest? Yes, there are. Jail terms are here. Yes. Now, About now two years. criminal liability. So once you, you do things that it is established that there was conflict of interest, mm -hmm. you did it deliberately, and then you didn't disclose, then the law will take Please, over. and yes. please again, business owners, the moment you add lim li limited to your name, it's no longer your family business. Everything you do now becomes the, <laughs> should I say, it's not just your private matter. Yes. It's now the state is involved. So let's make sure that we do things right. Number one, talk to your lawyer for advice. Number two, the New Companies Act, Act 992, which was revised in 2019, is available to give you all the information and we'll try and share as much information from here as possible. Um, when you say fit and proper, does it mean um, technical competence? I mean, when I'm, if I have a company and I'm putting together a board, what am I looking for? So when you are putting together... Let's say I'm a manufacturing company. I manufacture um, X product. Let's yes. say shoes. Yes. What competence am I looking at for members of my board? You should look at someone who is going to help you with your financials on the board, someone who has understanding of the law on their board. You should have someone who has understanding of the business that you're going to do. So mm. technical know-how is also very important. Not every member of the board would have to get the qualification in terms of the technical know-how, but at least you should have one or two people sitting on the board that has technical competence in respect of the specific area that you're operating. How about network and influence? Somebody who has access to people who, or a wide reach of people. Today on Facebook, we talk about influencers. Yes. It is important because you may need funding to support mm -hmm. your business. So sometimes you put some people on your board 
and they have a certain network level mm. that they can assist you get investors to, right. to put in resources into the business for the business to grow. So it's also very important looking at the experience and exposure of the people you appoint on your board. Mm-hmm. What's our take out from today's conversation? I mean, I know there's a lot that, um, you know, we can talk about, yes. but we continue this conversation next week. Exactly. And we're still going to dwell a bit on corporate governance. Is that yes. correct? And, and, and a bit of business compliance. And a bit of compliance. Yes. What's, what's the take out from today and what's the outlook for our conversation next week? Yes. So we should bear in mind that the moment you set up a company, take off that ownership mentality. Mm. 